Hello. Welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. So we've been looking at this idea of being the church through our study in the book of Acts. And this word be contains inside of it these ideas of meaning, existence, purpose. To ask the question of what it means to be is to ask the most fundamental questions. It's to ask the questions of who am I? What am I? Where am I? We're going to look today at the beginning of the book of Acts and the very end of the book of Acts. And in the middle, we're going to look at the the book of John as well. So we're going to use these two bookends of the Acts series to study this concept of what it means to actually be the church. Let's pray before we jump in. Lord, we invite you to open our eyes, to open our ears. We ask you to give us eyes to see. We ask you to give us ears to hear. Show us what it means to be the church today, God. Reveal to us our true identity in you. God, I pray for every home, for every family, for every individual that is watching this message right now, that you would awaken in us our true identity in you. Show us what it means to be the church, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to look at this, this idea of being through two different angles. We're going to see that we are the home of God on the earth. And that also, we live in the home of God in heaven. So to be the church is to be the home of God on earth and to live in the home of God in heaven. So first, being the home of God on earth. If you open your Bibles to Acts 2, we're going to be in verses 1 through 4. It says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance we see that the fire of God comes down and he marks his people. The fire of God is a mark of God's presence dwelling in a home. An ancient Jewish reader would understand the the tip of the hat that the author is, is giving here in this passage. Because an ancient Israelite would understand that in the old days, God used to dwell above a house in a pillar of fire. The Israelites were brought out of Egypt and they dwelled in tents. And God dwelled in a tent among them. It was the house of God. And the mark of his dwelling there, the mark of his abiding in that place, was a pillar of fire that would rest over the home of God. And we see now at the very beginning of Acts that God is doing the same work of marking his home. He's marking the place where he dwells and where he abides. But it's no longer tents. It's no longer tabernacles. It's no longer temples. He lives in bodies. He lives in people. He has made us his home. And so these living, breathing disciples, these living, breathing houses of God, they go out and they expand the home of God. They carry the news of the home of God to wherever they go. And they act like developers. If you're in real estate, you're in development, you understand what this image of God is like. You are expanding the territory. You're expanding home. You're creating new homes, new dwellings, new places of abiding. God doesn't only expand his home, but he also remodels. He transforms his homes. 
we see that the blind become those who see, the deaf become those that hear. We see the hopeless have a hope. We see those who are chained in suffering are set free. We see those that are selfish become selfless. And we see those who are fearful become brave and strong. God transforms the house that he lives in. This mystery goes even deeper though, because not only are we the home of God on the earth, but we see that Jesus takes it to another level in one word like only he can do. That word is abide. And packed in this word of abide, which we're going to look at now in John 15, is this idea of living in two places simultaneously. It's having your dwelling exist in two separate places. And so if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to open it there because you're probably going to want to look at this after we're done today. There is so much to be gleaned from these pages. So John 15, starting in verse 4. This is Jesus, and he says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So we see that the disciples are not only aware of this mark of God's presence in their life, dwelling inside of them, they're not only aware that they are the homes of God upon the earth, But they understand this dual nature to this word abiding, that they are also dwelling and abiding in Christ. Now, this is a mystery, and that's why we prayed at the beginning. We need eyes to see this. We need ears to hear this, not with our natural senses. We need a spiritual revelation to understand what this truly means. And I want to throw a couple other verses at you just to give you a 360 view of this idea. So in John 14, 20, the disciples are asking Jesus about this reality of abiding. And he says, after my resurrection... It's going to become more clear to you. And he says in John 14, 20, he says, On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. In 1 John 5, 20, he says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Acts 17, 28, for in him, in Christ, we live and we move and we have our being to be. We have our being. The essence of who we are is found in him. He is our dwelling place. Here's Paul now, Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up together, and he made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Finally, Colossians 2.9, he says, For in him, in God, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily in Christ. It's the fullness of God in a bodily form. And you, church, are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. 
This idea of abiding is to be in Christ, even as he is in us. It is a mystery to our natural senses, but it is revealed to us by the Spirit of God. A popular phrase that we use in the church today is, we live in the already, but not yet. The church, I want to challenge you. We are living in the already and the not yet. This is our resting place. Our home is in him now. If you study Greek, the, the tenses of the verbs used in Colossians, Ephesians, they're aorist indicative, which means they have happened. They are done. When Jesus said, it is finished on the cross, he was serious. These realities have begun. You are in him. He is your home. The end of the book of Acts shows us a man who has learned how to abide in his home in heaven. And so we pick back up with Paul. So at the beginning of the book of Acts, we see the move and day of God. We see the spirit of God come and make his home in men and women. And they go out and they expand the kingdom of God. They expand the homes of God. At the end of the book of Acts, we find a man who is awaiting a court date with Caesar. He's waiting to go before Caesar on trial for crimes against the state, crimes against the Jewish people. And while he's in Rome, he's dwelling or abiding in a house. He's under house arrest. It's not like he's staying in an Airbnb church. He is, he's dwelling in chains in a, in a home in Rome. So let's pick back up with him. It says in Acts 28, 30 through 31, Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and he received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concerned the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. So what was Paul doing while he was under house arrest? He was writing all about his home. When we read Ephesians and Colossians, those letters Paul wrote while he was dwelling in this prison in Rome. And what was he writing about? He was writing about where he was truly dwelling. He recognized he was not dwelling just in chains, just under quarantine, just under lockdown, just in prison. He was dwelling in Christ in heaven. Church, Paul did more for us in one stroke of his pen while under lockdown than maybe his entire life when he was roaming free across the world. The books of Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, Philemon, these books that were his prison epistles have done more to transform the world while he was under lockdown than when his body was free roaming the earth because he knew where he truly dwelt. Paul knew what it meant to abide. We've all heard the, the dangerous line about being too heavenly minded and becoming of no earthly good. But C.S. Lewis flips this on his head and he writes this. He says, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought the most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Church, we need to learn to live from the top down, not from the bottom up. Most of us, we pray from this position of being under, from being with, with strain, from being stopped and crushed. We need to pray from the top down that we are resting in victory. We need to see ourselves living from the end back into the now. 
We need to live from the inside out and from the top down. When I was trying to think of an analogy for, for this, um, I, I thought of the movie Lion King. And there's this scene in Lion King where Simba has been exiled, he's banished, he's filled with shame, he runs away from his homeland. And he starts to live with uh, warthogs and meerkats. And he starts to eat and act like a warthog and a meerkat. And there's this moment of awakening in Simba's life where you could say a priest comes to him and he reveals to him his true identity. He reveals to him the identity he has in the Father. And we know that famous scene, the clouds open up and Simba's there looking, gazing into the heavens. And the king of lions comes down. And he says in that just majestic, beautiful James Earl Jones voice, remember, remember. He says, remember who you are. Simba was acting like a mere cat, <laughs> pun intended. He was acting like a mere cat. The father came, he says, you're not a mere cat, you're a lion. Church, you're not the mere cat, you're the lion. Remember who you are. You'll walk into your identity, you'll walk into your destiny of who you are. You'll do the things that a lion can do. So then what the heck is the church supposed to do? If this is who we are, what do we actually do? Because I know some of you are just begging for that application at the end of a sermon. Let's make it simple. Put your faith in Jesus. Make your home in him. Abide. Believe his words. Believe this is true. Make him your resting place, your dwelling place. Abide in him. Receive the spirit of Christ. Become the home of God on earth. Be his living, breathing temple here on earth. And finally, church, no matter what you are doing, if you are in quarantine, if you're on lockdown, if you're masked up for the rest of your life, if you're persecuted, you're suffering, you're in chains, chains and tribulations, spend the rest of your life making the world around you look like your home in heaven. And finally, church, spend the rest of your life, no matter what you're doing, no matter where you are, if you're under house arrest, you're in chains, you're in tribulation, you're in persecution, suffering, spend the rest of your life making the world around you look like your home in heaven. Be the house of God here on earth. Live and move and have your being in your home in heaven, who is Christ Jesus. Church, I want to guide us now into a short meditation that's going to help activate some of these concepts for us. And I was talking to Pastor Orville, who if you don't know Orville, you need to get prayer from him. He is just a, a spiritual giant among the land here at North Coast Calvary. But I was talking to him about spiritual disciplines and exercises. And he, was, he, he gave me this really neat concept. He said, the exercises and the disciplines in this meditation are meant to be stepping stones that lead us to the real thing. And so don't get stuck up on the word meditation or this concept of these words having some magical effect or like a mantra. These are stepping stones that guide us to the real thing. And so if you wanna just make yourself comfortable, you could just close your eyes. You can put your hands in a position of, of receiving right now. And I just invite you to take a few deep breaths. This is called the Misty Mountain Meditation. 
I just invite you now to see yourself sitting on the top of a mountain. See yourself dwelling and abiding there. You can pick a mountain that you've been to. You can make up a mountain. But just make it a place that is home. See yourself there, just dwelling and abiding. And as you look down from this space, you can just see a mist that covers over the mountain at the foothills. It just goes and it washes over, it rolls over the mountain. but you are positioned above the mist. You are seated at the top of the mountain. And as you're there, I just invite you to, to see Jesus come and sit next to you there. See how he abides with you. Notice even the impressions that you get from his very presence. Just this person of Jesus sitting next to you the sensations it brings of peace, of joy, of wonder, of comfort, of awe. And the two of you are just looking and gazing down from this place of superiority, of authority. And you see the world beneath you. You see the mist go over the mountain. You can even see in that mist your emotions, your feelings, your thoughts. You can see turmoil in the world. You can see society. You can see unrest. And from this place, I just invite you now to pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Church, this is who we are. We are those who dwell, abide in heaven. We rest in heaven. And we pray from this position, seated with Christ, into the earth around us, beneath us. You can just return your focus now to your breathing, and you can open your eyes. Church, that's just a picture, just a small shadow of a representation, a little exercise to activate this reality. Because it is a reality. Your home is in heaven. This is your dwelling place. This is where you abide. And so I invite you to stay in that place as Christ did. Would you continue to abide in him as he abides in you? Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.